go on a bit of an imaginary journey with me um, in the next few minutes. Imagine that you're a first century Christian or a follower of the way, as they like to call themselves. The New Testament is still being written. Perhaps there's a copy of one of Paul's letters that the, the local church in your city has. And of course, the Old Testament exists, both in Hebrew and in the Greek translation, but it's written on these huge, heavy scrolls made from animal skins. They're not exactly portable, and they cost a small fortune, so no one has their own copy. If you want to hear the scriptures read, the best thing for you to do would be to go to the synagogue where it's re they read from the scroll each Shabbat, each Sabbath. Except that you can't anymore. You and all the followers of the way have been driven out of the synagogue in your town. So how are you going to read the scriptures, let alone study it for yourself? Well, thankfully, you're part of a community of believers. And when you gather with other followers of the way early every Sunday morning before you go off to work on the first day of the week, one of the Jewish men in your group will recite from memory passages of the scripture that he learned in the synagogue as a child. Or one of the people who actually learned from one of the first disciples of Jesus will tell you, they'll recite for you one of the stories or one of the teachings of Jesus. And you're always hungry for that, hungry to hear new passages of scripture as well as old favorites. You try to remember as much as you can to hide it in your heart, as the psalm says, so that it goes with you wherever you go and you can think about it any time. When you stop to pray morning, noon and night as you've been taught, then it's the psalms that you've memorized that form your prayers. And it's amazing how often the words of those psalms that you're praying stay with you. You find that they linger in your thoughts long after the prayer time has ended. Or imagine that you're a Christian in medieval England. Scrolls have been replaced by books, but they're still frightfully expensive because they're hand-copied onto handmade paper and then they're hand-bound. You own a small shop, so perhaps if you saved up very, very carefully, you might be able to afford one later in your life. But what would the point be really? Because to read the scriptures, you would have to read in Latin. And you don't read, you're illiterate, you don't read any language. You didn't come from a family that was wealthy enough to educate you. You needed to go to work from as soon as you were old enough to in order to support the family. You don't read in Latin, you don't read in French, or just a tiny bit enough to read what's written on the, the crates or the cloth-wrapped parcels that come into your shop. You don't read in your mother tongue of English, and in any case, Master Wycliffe has translated portions of the scriptures into English, but those books are banned. So you do your best to remember what is read at church on Sundays. And if you don't understand, it's read in Latin, and if you don't understand one of the words of your, or phrases, you can ask the priest or your friend who works as a scribe in the next shop over and who reads Latin well, what, what did it mean? But it's hard, and you wish it was possible to read the scriptures for yourself. Often the stories from the scriptures come to mind as you go about your daily work. Stories are easy to remember, and you especially love the stories about Jesus what he did and what he taught.
And you wonder what it would have been like to hear those stories for the first time. So sometimes when you're at work and your hands are busy but your mind is free, you imagine yourself there on the mountainside when the Sermon on the Mount was first preached. Or in the crowd when the loaves and the fishes fed the 5,000, you actually picked up some of the bread that had been broken from Jesus' hand. And as you imagine those scenes, it's amazing how often you see new meaning in the story that you hadn't grasped before. And those insights work their way into your heart. Or imagine that you're a follower of Jesus in one of the parts of the world today where it's still illegal to be so. It's illegal to be baptised. It's illegal to gather with other believers. It's certainly illegal to own a Bible And if you did own a Bible, where would you keep it? Where in your busy multi-generational household could you hide it where no one except you would find it? But there's this website. In fact, that's you stumbled on it once, just internet searching, and, and that's how you actually first heard about Jesus. And you find the scriptures there in your language just mesmerizing. You could sit reading them for hours. But there's no privacy in your busy multi-generational household. Someone could come in at any time. And that wouldn't work out well for you or for anyone in your family. So you've downloaded some of the MP3 files, just one by one, one book of the Bible at a time. And in your own room at night, or when you're by yourself working out in the garden, you put on your headphones and you listen And as you listen over and over and over again, little snippets start to stick in your mind and you find that you can come back to them any time. In fact, it's amazing how often they come to mind at just the right moment when they're relevant to your life and to what you're dealing with. You turn those snippets over and over and over and you find your heart drawn to prayer in response to respond to the God who is speaking to you in his word. As strange as it may seem to us, most believers in most places in the world, in most of history, haven't had the kind of easy access to the Bible that we have. And so the way that they learned to interact with the scriptures was quite different than the way we do. It's not possible to read the Bible personally and individually, to have a daily quiet time if you don't have a copy of it. And for most of Christian history, the reading of the word was read, the word was read in community when the people of God gathered together like we're doing this morning. But people still needed to interact with that scripture personally and individually. And so what they tended to do day to day was some of the things that I've described for you. Something that we call meditating on scripture that they had remembered or that had become familiar to them. Now, meditation is a bit of a lost art in the 21st century evangelical Australian church, but I think it's a vital one that we need to recover. We don't need it for the same reasons, Uh, as many of the Christians over the centuries, access to the scriptures is not our problem. If anything, we have the opposite problem. You might want to just take up your Bible app and see how many versions of the scriptures you have right there at your fingertips. 
I counted up and I have 67 English versions alone as well as three others in, th in, um, three in Uzbek and Tajik that I could read. And this week I was annoyed because I didn't have access to the version I wanted. But too much of a good thing can be dangerous. It's as dangerous to have too much food as too little, isn't it? And I'm not, I'm not suggesting that the Bible is dangerous to us, but that the way we read the Bible can be problematic because we can start to read the Bible the way we read everything else. And the way we read everything else has changed rapidly in the last 20 years, hasn't it? We don't read deeply anymore. We Google things. And then we skim the results, don't we? We're looking for what in our Google search catches our attention. And, you know, that article is just too long and boring. Maybe there's a post or a tweet. In fact, if there's a YouTube video or a TikTok video, you know, 30 seconds, even better. We flit from one thing to another with our teeny tiny attention spans. And we can slip into the reading the Bible that way too, reading for what's new and exciting and interesting, reading for information. But that's not the purpose of the scriptures. We're supposed to read it for formation. We're supposed to engage in the scriptures so that it will form us, it will shape and change us. Because the Bible isn't just a book. It's God's word to us. And he is trying to shape and change and form us through his word. So what is meditation and how can it help? Well, because it's not something that comes up a lot um, in our discussions about Christian faith uh, in this church or um, in a lot of evangelical churches, what you might have in your mind when you hear the word meditation is something drawn from popular culture and what's in popular culture is often drawn from the Buddhist or the Hindu traditions of meditation. And in those traditions, meditation is a way of stepping back from your personal stream of consciousness and instead of actively thinking, just letting the thoughts ebb and flow. And to slowly let go of your own consciousness and become aware of your connection to all things, to all of life, to the universe, and ultimately to merge with that. And the mindfulness movement takes and popularizes some of the, um, or secularizes and has popularized some of the technologies, not the philosophy, but the technologies um, from those traditions. And there are some good things about the technologies employed in the, or the techniques and practices in the mindfulness movement and lots of things to back that, lots of research to back up how beneficial that can be. But that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about Christian meditation. To understand what Christian meditation is, we need to go back to the scriptures. And you can find meditation, both the word and the concept, all the way through scripture. And in fact, we've already come across it this month when Tim took us through Psalm 1. This is from the New Living Translation, and that those first verses of that psalm say, The joys of those who delight in the law of the Lord, meditating it on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither. You 
If you look back at those verses in Psalm 1, then the, the popular vision of meditation or the popular definition clearly isn't what it's talking about. That wouldn't make sense. What's being recommended to us in the Psalms is the active engagement of our minds with a very specific focus, the law of the Lord, that is the scriptures, the word of God. And someone tells us that it's a key to planting ourselves by the river, as Tim's talked about, so that we can grow and flourish no matter what season of life we're in. The Hebrew word for meditation means something like murmuring or muttering. And in our English translation, the word meditate comes from a Latin word that means to ponder. And meditation in the Christian tradition is all about that. It's taking portions of scripture and kind of muttering them to to yourself, speaking them to yourself, pondering them, dwelling on them, turning them over and over and over in your mind, talking to yourself about them, and then talking to God about them as well. When I first started studying a bit about meditation, it was the American evangelical pastor, Tim Keller, who helped me the most. And in one of his sermons, he said, we actually meditate all the time. It's a kind of natural human practice. It's just that we don't call it meditation. We call it worrying. And that made me laugh because I come from a long and distinguished line of worriers, and I know exactly what he means. When you worry about something, it's never far from your thoughts, is it? You turn it over and over in your mind, thinking about it from all different angles, trying to figure it out. And while you can lose yourself in the flow of work or distract yourself with your favourite TV show for a while or go for a run, eventually your thoughts will just cycle back to that thing that you're fixated on and worrying about. But what if instead of dwelling on our own concerns, we learnt to dwell on God's word to us? What if, what if what it was that was turning over and over in our minds, the thing that we were thinking about from all different angles and constantly cycling back to was his word? It's not hard to, to see how that might start to change us from the inside out, how God's truth might become more and more real to us so that, as the psalmist says, we start to delight in it. One of the most helpful definitions of meditation I've found, again, was from Tim Keller, but he's quoting an earlier scholar, Peter Toon, who says, meditation is the descent of the mind with biblical truth into the innermost heart until the whole being yearns for God. It's not just our mind and rationally thinking about scripture, but sticking with it, dwelling on it, until it um, some, of the, some of the saints say, till our hearts catch fire, until actually our whole being, our mind and our heart um, is impacted by it. Well, the best way to learn about meditation is actually to do it, not to talk about it. Uh, and so for the rest of our time together this morning, I'm going to share with you one method of meditation that has been practiced by Christians at least from the 4th century, so 350-something It's got a long tradition. And what I'm going to do is take you through the steps of how we do that. And we're going to spend the rest of our time together this morning taking a short passage of scripture and practicing the process of meditation here together as a group. Um, Some of that is going to be your own personal reflection. There's going to be an opportunity for sharing and prayer. 
And some of it is just going to be silently being still in God's presence and sitting with what he has taught us. So the method what we're going to be talking about today is something called Lectio Divina, and that's Latin, and you know we all don't speak it, but it just means sacred or spiritual reading. And the way I like to think about it is it's slow reading. You might be familiar with the slow food movement, where it's all about just slowing down and thinking about you know, growing your own veggies or making your food from scratch and eating, savouring each part of it as you, as you eat it. And you could translate Lectio Divina slow reading. What if we just slowed down? If we didn't jump from TikTok video to TikTok video, but we just sat with and we savoured um, the word. The first person in Christian history who wrote about this method was a guy, for those of you who are history buffs, was a a guy called Gregory of Nyssa, and he was like a rock star theologian of the 4th century. Most of his work was trying to figure out how to explain the Trinity, Um, and he's one of the people who was key in authoring the Nicene Creed, if you think about that. And then this was really popularised by Benedict of Nursia, who's the founder of the Benedictine Order of Monks. Now, if that starts to freak you out because it sounds Catholic, remember that in the 4th and 6th century, there was no Catholic church or Orthodox church. There was just one church. It's not till 1000 AD that the Catholics and the Orthodox. So this isn't Catholic. This is just Christian. Um, And and this form of meditation is practiced by Orthodox and Catholic and Protestant Christians. So there are four steps, and they have nice Latin words, but it's much easier to think about them as the four R's. That meditation involves reading a passage, it involves reflecting, it involves responding to God, and it involves resting in his presence. So four R's and actually a bonus one. The first thing to do when you want to meditate is to get ready, just to ask God to speak to you through his word, to trust that the spirit is going to work in the word and apply that to your life. Then you read the passage through four times. And the first time, you're just reading it slowly and carefully to try and understand it. And you're paying attention. You've asked God to speak to you, and you're trusting that he will. So are there any words or phrases or any insight that seems to jump out of the passage at you? Then you read it again a second time slowly. And you reflect on the word or the phrase or the insight that stood out to you. Why do you think it was that that happened? Why did that resonate with you? And just ask God, how does this connect with my life today? Now, sometimes the reflection part can be a bit tricky. And a good hack, you might have learnt the ACTS acronym, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving and Supplication for Prayer. That actually comes from Martin Luther teaching people to meditate. So you can use the Martin Luther hack. um, And when you're meditating on the scripture and you're reflecting it, so firstly ask, how can I adore God because of what I'm, I'm reading here? How can I love and praise God based on this passage? What do I need to confess to God? As, based on this passage, how, do I, how am I failing to actually realize this in my life? What happens when I forget this? Is there something I need to repent of? Um, is there something for thanksgiving? You know, we, all of, Jesus embodies all of God's fullness. Is there something in this passage that points me to Jesus? Can I thank him for how he embodies this? Or can I thank him because what he's done has 
because of one of his promises in this passage or can I thank him because what he's done means that the confession I've just made, my sin is covered and he's sufficient for that as well. And then lastly, supplication or asking, but I've actually put this as a desire for change. Like, how does this show me what I could or should be or do? How would my life be different if it were real to me? And ask God to do that in you. So that's the reflection steps. That's that's R number two. The third R is to respond. Read the passage through slowly one more time. And your question this time is, what do you want to say to God in response to what the word he's spoken to you. You might want to use the word or the phrase or the insight in your prayer, praying it back to God, using scripture to shape our prayers. If we're praying God's words back to him, our prayer is certainly going to be acceptable uh, and in line with his will. And if you're a journaler, you might want to journal at that point um, to note down your response. And then the last time through is just to rest to read the passage one final time and just be with God in silence to allow what he's spoken to you to soak into your heart. Now this this can be the most uncomfortable or the most unfamiliar one to us. It's really easy to have performance anxiety about this, ironically, like, oh, I'm not resting properly, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm struggling to be with God, okay? Just think, remember your relationship with God is about like any other relationship. Some, in in the sense of there's an ebb and flow in the relationship, isn't it? Peter and I have been married for 22 years. We still go out for dinner most Friday nights. Sometimes it's a really deep time together. Sometimes we're just hanging out. But that's normal in any long-term intimate relationship, isn't it? That sometimes, sometimes it's deep and passionate and sometimes it's just comfortable and familiar. And sometimes it even can be a bit awkward. I just sit with it. So that's the four steps. And we're just going to take a moment. We're going to actually spend the rest of our time together um, practicing that. So I've I've taken you through so you're familiar and you know what to expect. Um, So I have a, a, a passage from scripture that we're going to to meditate on and I'm totally cheating and this is a passage and this is a passage of scripture that I want to meditate on um, so I'll just explain to you how I got there a few weeks ago I had an unusual experience for me I, I woke up in the morning first and first thing there was this verse from scripture like bang in my head so clearly um, and I didn't know which, where it was found so I googled it and it's a verse from Colossians chapter 4 where it says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And I've been chewing on that for the last few weeks. Like, what does it mean to be watchful and thankful in prayer? And one of the passages that, as I've looked at other passages in scripture and whatnot, one of the passages that's come to mind that I actually haven't had time to sit down and sit with for a long period of time is the story about Jesus and his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus asked the disciples to watch and pray with him. And that's the passage that I want us to dwell on this morning. So I'm going to ask you actually to put your Bibles away and let's return to the practice of the Bible being read aloud um, in the gathering. I will have it on the screen. Um, But as we start, let's just take a moment um, to be ready. So I'm going to give you a moment of silence just to 
bring your attention um, to and your focus to God. Loving Father, as we come to your word, we want to say with the prophet Samuel, speak, Lord, because your servants are listening. As I read this passage of scripture, just seek to understand it and look out for any word or phrase that, or insight that catches your attention. Jesus and his disciples went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James and John with him and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus went on a little further and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Then he returned and he found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me for even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. And when he returned to them, he found them sleeping because they couldn't keep their eyes open and they didn't know what to say. When he returned to them the third time, he said, go ahead and sleep, have your rest, but know the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. I'm going to read the passage a second time and then invite you just to reflect on the word or the phrase or the insight that God has placed on your heart. And I've got those reflection questions up there if you need some help. Uh, but I will read it through and then I'll just leave a few minutes of, of quiet for reflection. Jesus and his disciples went to the grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James and John with him and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and fell to the ground he prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, 
Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping because they couldn't keep their eyes open and they didn't know what to say. When he returned to them, he said, Go ahead and sleep, have your rest, but know the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. As you reflect on the words or the phrases or the insight that stood out to you, just think about why that's resonated with you. Maybe you want to ask God, how does this connect with my life today? I'm going to read the passage again. And this time I want to encourage you to think about how you want to respond to God. What response is he drawing out of your heart? What do you want to say back to him in response to the word he's been speaking to you in this passage or is still speaking to you in this passage? Jesus and his disciples went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James and John with him and he became deeply troubled and distressed. Jesus told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus went on a little further and he fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Then Jesus returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even for one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open and they didn't know what to say. When he returned to them the third time, he said, go ahead and sleep, have your rest, but know the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. I want to give people an opportunity to respond here together in the group to God. And it may be that God has been drawing out of your heart a response of adoration, something that, that you want to express your love and praise to him because of what he's shown you in this beautiful story.
difficult story, but a beautiful story. It may be that there's a sin that you need to confess, and most of the time we do that privately, but if you want to lead us as a church in a prayer of confession, there's a space to do that. If the response that's come out of your heart is thanksgiving to God, and thanksgiving particularly to Jesus for his work, then lead us in that. Um, And if you just want to share your insight with us, the really briefly, just the word or the phrase or that key little popcorn insight uh, that's come out of, that little kernel of insight that's come out of this for you. You know, share that with us, but how does it, how's that impacting on you? How does that, that show us something about um, who God is calling us to be, um, how our lives might be different if we truly believe that? So we've got the microphone set up like we do um, during our sharing time. Um, And Dave and Ben are also going to allow anybody who um, is on Zoom to share. So if you've got something that you want to share, um, share your word or your phrase or lead us in one of these responses. Um, The microphones are open. If you're on Zoom, you might need to wave at um, Dave or Ben, um, either like the little hand symbol wave or actually physically wave, and then they can patch you through. If no one's got anything that they want to share or lead us in a response out loud, I'm just checking, I'm scanning the room if anybody's changing their mind. Um, Just to say, if you're doing this by yourself or even if you've got it with you now, this can be a time to journal as well, just to note down what is the response that God drew out of your heart. And it could be a response in prayer or it could be a response in action, something that you want to actually to do. And sometimes people add another R in here say resolve, like what am I resolved to do differently um, or to to follow through uh, on what God is calling me to. I think just to share for myself one one thing that stood out to me uh, in this passage was I was just remembering that just before this, Jesus and the disciples had been um, having the Lord's Supper together. And remember, Peter said, I'm willing to die for you, Jesus. But it turns out that even staying awake for an hour was a bit much. Um, I'm really challenged by that. I think my intentions of what I want to do for God are often way bigger, like hilariously way bigger than what I'm actually capable of. Um, and it's encouraging to me to see Jesus, Jesus ten, both his anguish, you know, that he's the one actually doing the hard work, the the dreadfully painful work of the suffering and the death that that Peter couldn't do, Um, but also the way he comes to Peter and to the disciples and just says, you need to pray. I can see that your heart is willing, but your your flesh, your body, you're just not able to follow through. Um, And I need to hear that. You know, and to, to shift the attention from my own striving, my own body, my own ability um, to rest on what Jesus has done and to follow his example, um, to say, not what I want, which right now might be to go to sleep, um, but what you want. Yeah, Karen wants to say something really quickly. Go ahead, Karen. Um, and then I'll just give another minute if anybody else has something they want to say.
thought everyone might have had enough of me by now. Um, but the thing that stood out for me was when Jesus invited um, the disciples to go with him to pray. Um, I don't know why that stood out for me. And then the other one, the word watch and keep watch. And when I was having a quiet time with the Lord, I thought, I was thinking how um, I myself want to be accountable to others. We're not doing this journey alone. And Jesus invites us to do the journey of life together. And um, yeah, obviously they fell asleep, but just to keep accountable to one another um, on our journey with God. And I would love people to keep me accountable on my journey with God to stay on the path, um, to keep watch and to pray and let us do it together. Thanks, Karen. Yeah, amazing to see Jesus didn't want to be alone. He wanted others around him, supporting him in prayer through that difficult time. Does anybody else have anything that they want to to say or to, to share with us or to lead us in a response? Well, the final R is just to rest in God's presence. And I'm going to read the passage one more time. I encourage you this time just to, just to be, just to be with that insight or be with God as he continues to speak to your heart, that insight. Remember, it's not just about your mind, but um, descending, what did they say? Descending with God's truth, with your mind into your heart not only to meditate on the law of God, but to delight in the law of God. Um, and so just to give time to be with this passage, or be with the insights that God has given us, be with God as he's speaking to us, and to allow those words of his to soak deeply into our hearts to bring about that kind of change in our thinking and in our feeling and in our behaviour. So I'll read the passage one more time and I'm just going to give five minutes of silence. That can feel like a really long time. Um, we'll have some music on, but just take five minutes just to sit uh, and to be and then the band is going to come up and lead us in responding to God in song. Jesus and his disciples went to the olive grove called Gethsemane and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James and John with him and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus went on a little further and he fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out. Everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Then Jesus returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. 
When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping because they couldn't keep their eyes open and they didn't know what to say to him. When he returned to them the third time, he said, Go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But no, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's be going. Look, here comes my betrayer. Verse 